magic, murder, problematic misogynistic undertones? Join us as we delve into one of Britain's best-loved TV shows. So grab your duffel coat, don your curly wig, and dig up that 90s character actor as we welcome you to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the last episode of Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. I say last. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Well, yeah, I mean, there's... There's something, and we'll get into it in this episode, like, there's a few things, like, it's very self-referential, more self-referential than the other Jonathan Creek, mm-hmm. talking a lot about old mysteries and him chucking things out and finally clearing out of the wind. Like, there's there's a certain finality to it. Yeah. Um. Uh. And also something happens at the end that means he's probably in prison now, but... Um, <laughs> uh, Can't so, wait! So, yeah, I don't know, but I'm still holding out hope for... Uh, remember my little idea the other week that the reason why there's absolutely no sort of chemistry or love between Sarah Lagoa yeah. and Jonathan Creek is uh, because it's all about the next episode where they've split up and you finally get Maddie and Jonathan end up together. So I'm still holding out hope for that. Caroline Quentin said in an interview recently she'd love to come back and do Jonathan Creek again. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's what people want. Everyone always says, you know, it's. It's about it was, Maddie and Jonathan. Yeah, that was always the sort of the duo that people remember most. So, yeah. Who knows? We're holding out hope. Maybe if enough of you uh, listen to this podcast, um, we can petition the BBC and get them to create one. Although, that sounds like something you'd say if you hadn't listened to the podcast. <laughs> because I don't know. I don't know. I want it to happen, but I'm conflicted. There would. Do you know what would be quite cool? Is if the mystery was that, like, Jonathan had gone, like, missing or, like, faked his own death. So Maddie, Carla, Joey and Polly all have to team up and use all the things that Jonathan had taught them over the years to try and find him. That would be brilliant. They all go to the funeral, but none of them believe he's actually there. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they go in search of Jonathan. That's a brilliant... We should write that and send it in. Send it to David Rennick and say... Never listen to any. And like, if you Google us, don't. If a podcast comes up, it's it's not us. Just say that we were born before Google, which is true, and then he won't he won't use it to search us because you know how he thinks the internet works. Yes. Um. Yeah. This is uh. This episode is a special, so it's a bit longer. Yes. uh, We're a couple of years on from the last three, so we're twenty sixteen now. It's only four years ago. Yeah. Not Um, very long ago at all. No. Uh. You'd be forgiven. Thinking that it is was, because yeah. again, like all that it feels like it's made in the mid nineties. But um, yes, this is Demon's Roost or or Damon's Roost or uh, yeah, yeah. It's spelt D A E M O N, so mm. Damon or, or I think but they refer they to refer it as Demon's Demon, Roost, don't so they? But, an old an old English spelling of of yeah. Demon. Um, yeah, and uh, it starts with a cold open, mm. which is lovely. Um, and the cold open is so it's interesting like how anyone who's a Hitchcock fan will know that they often used him to promote his own movies yeah um and he would come on and talk about them as a kind of trailer yeah so they do that 
but with a fictional Hammer Horror director. Yeah, so it's 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 Hammer Horror meets uh, sort of uh, uh, Italian uh, uh, Gallo horror cinema of like the sixties and seventies, Dario Argento and people like that. It's very much that feel. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, they, they may well have done this for that kind of genre of film, actually. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know, but it's um, um but. Yeah, obviously very much, uh, yeah, schlock, horror, 60s, um, yeah, very gratuitous and a bit silly and tongue-in-cheek and, yeah. And the d- director um, playing himself, played by an actor called Ken Bones. Which yeah, is which a is a great name. A, yeah, a better name. Much than, better than... <laughs> they should have called it his real name. What was his name? Clock? Claw? Oh, get Claw. 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 Yeah, Neil Claw, I think it was. Um, yeah, so... Uh, he's kind of doing this, and in, in it we see uh, some kind of dodgy special effects uh, yeah. uh, about a, f- a particular film um, that was... Well, that, that's all we know. Um, and then we go into the credits. Mm. Well, we should just say in, there's a, obviously this kind of set piece of the trailer is this shot of people being yeah. flung into a, a, a fiery pit. pit. Well, well, fiery a fiery wall. hole, yeah, in, in a, a wall, wall. Uh, yeah. by sort of some kind of electromagnetic force, and there's someone in a red cloak who seems to be doing all of it in um, a in a kind of V for Vendetta mask, yeah, quite specifically, yeah. which yeah. is obviously didn't happen, yeah, um, yeah, and then and then we have the kind of credits, and we 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 open then on someone driving down a country lane, yeah. In the rain. Yeah. Which has... No, it's not the first time we've opened a Jonathan Creek episode. No, I think it's about the eighth. But I think Um, it might be the first time they're driving down a country lane in the rain and it's daytime. So I think that's... That's true. They've done that to make Mm -hmm. it different. Um, And it's a couple in a taxi. um, And there's a taxi driver with a very distinctive beard. Yeah. um, Who driving them up to this big, old, scary mansion. Yeah. Um... It looks exactly the same as every single scary mansion in Jonathan <laughs> Creek. I think it's just the same one, isn't it? Um, but this one in particular, I was like, you've used this before. Like, I really recognise. I was like, this does feel like you've just used what yeah. you've used before. Which, again, would make sense because they use actors they've used before yeah. to make completely different characters. Um, and they get to a certain point uh, up the driveway of this house and the taxi driver says, I'm not going any further. They say, why? And they said, because, you know, dark forces are at work in that house. Yeah. And the taxi driver clutches his crucifix. Right. So there's a there's a weird running trope in Jonathan Creek that David Rennick seems to think that, that Christians are really, like, superstitious. Mm. But it's not, like, like they get angry about paganism because they're, like, because they think it's sacrilegious but they don't believe in like he, he they like he's mm. christians seem to be, in his head seem to like believe in in like m- magic dark arts magic yeah and i'm like no they they think that's blasphemous like i don't so I, that was well bit... that's interesting that you should say because i my auntie mm. um he's uh, dead now was my auntie kath rest her soul was a, a born again christian and she used to think harry potter was dangerous because not only is it blasphemous, yeah. yeah, but also if you invite any kind of spiritualism into your life that isn't God, it's the devil. Okay. So maybe Rennick is kind of going down, seeing Christians 
as in that light. Right. Okay. So okay. It, rather than just being blasphemous, but it can be dangerous because yeah. anything that isn't strictly Jesus, yeah, is that's magic is the devil. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's occulty fear, but I just don't know why a taxi driver. <laughs> In this area, is so terrified of a house that he's clutching his um, crucifix. His crucifix, yeah. yeah. Um, we should also say, by the way, in the credits, that we did spot that this episode is a welcome return for director Sandy Johnson. It is Sandy Johnson who hasn't directed, uh, well, not not anything from the last series. No, no, I don't believe he directed any of the previous Sheridan Smith ones either. I don't think he, we've seen him. I think you're right. Since the original series. Um, of course, he came in, I think, on the fourth episode of season one, because it was Marcus Mortimer for the first few. Ah, uh, yeah. And then Sandy Johnson came in and did the m- majority of them, um, I think, up until uh, uh, the end of season four. Mm. Um, but yeah, any of the subsequent specials and season five have, have all been either David Rennick himself or someone else. Um, there you are. So yeah, nice to see him back. Um, yeah, very much so. And I think I, I didn't spot a cameo, though. I was watching out for Sandy Johnson cameo. Uh, no, I didn't either. Um, I was hoping. I was hoping to see his, his lovely moustache, but... But if anyone... Yeah. To me. If anyone did spot it, let us know. Um, so what happens then? They they go into the house. Um, yeah, and so it's... So we it's... see a security guard uh, adjusting uh, some very old CCTV cameras from yeah. about 1973. Yeah. 74. Yeah. Um, and he looks, he's looking very kind of knowingly. Yeah. Uh, across at them. So, yeah. So it's, it's um, this young woman and her husband, who's this Scottish guy. Um, and uh, the way they're talking, it's obviously some kind of relative that they're going to visit. Um, yeah. And then they get to the door and then a camera falls on uh, the Scottish man's head mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the um, CCTV, the guy that was fixing them, runs over and says, oh, that wasn't meant to happen. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. Yeah. Um, and we learn that the couple are um, Alison Balkin and Stephen Balkin. Yeah. And they're a married couple played by Georgie Lloyd um, and... Uh, Emin Elliot. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Emin or Eamon uh, Elliot. Um, yeah. And they, we find out that it was her childhood house. So uh, yeah. Alison Balkin grew up in the house and it was her father. Uh, stepfather. Sorry, stepfather, quite right. Yeah. Uh, is Neil Claw, uh, the guy we mentioned in the trailer. Yes. So he's now uh, considerably older. Uh, yeah. And in a wheelchair with lots of great hair yeah. and big moustache. And and it transpires that very recently he has kind of deteriorated. I think and he's, he's had a stroke. He's had a stroke. Um, uh, but this was just after he'd um, sent a letter to her uh, reconnecting. Yeah. Um, uh, which was just a, a few lines and then a map. Uh, and directions to where it was. Um, and it's kind of assuming that she, as the last surviving member of the family, will inherit the house mm-hmm. and the money that Claw got from being a Hammer Horror director in the <laughs> yeah. 70s, which yeah. apparently is bazillions of pounds. Yeah. Um, so whilst they're in there, they're having a little look around and you see some of the posters uh, from some of the films. It's a lovely little Easter egg that you spotted straight away. That he met. Well, yeah. Uh, big, well, 
it was quite easy to spot because yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a lingering camera shot. On it. Yeah, it's a lingering camera shot on one of these posters of one of these fake films. Actually, there's a couple of Easter eggs on this. First of all, it's made by Great Portland Street Productions, who, as we know, were the production company that made the fake Tony Blair, George Bush. Oh my goodness, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's weird. Oh my goodness! Um, uh, in uh, Savant's thumb, so that's weird that that's referenced. Fine. Um, and I now want to go back and see if like that's the same as like uh, Satan's Chimney. Like, is that the company that Stephen Burkhoff's making the film for? Like, mm. I want to see if it's referenced. If anyone knows, are there any more Great references Street to Productions? To Great Portland Street Productions, let us know. Um, but yes, but the other Easter egg, which is even more funny, is that it's written. <laughs> it's written. By David Wickren. Wickren. <laughs> Wickren. And I'm like, uh, right. So just before we recorded, um, uh, I I thought it would be fun to see if I could make any better anagrams of David Rennick. Oh, good um, work. It took me about three and a half minutes uh, to come up with four. That, uh, <laughs> definitely better anagrams than just, than just like cutting just your surname in half and turning like... David Wick, like, is that even an anagram? Like, it's so near. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, so I had uh, Wade Vidic. Oh, was lovely. Uh, Drew Cavadich. Uh, Dick Drainview. Ooh. Uh, and Dan Krukivid were the. Uh, oh, I like that. That's a lovely one. With a, there with are some great ones in there. Yeah. Much yeah. better than David Wickren. Literally under five minutes. So I don't know why David Wickren was the best one. That, uh, it should be. It might not even be him. It might have been like a joke that the art department. Maybe it was Wait, that, but whoever that. whoever thought of it, you could have uh, just proven you could have done a lot better. But nevertheless, a nice at least stroke for us. Yep. Um, and then we so they're in the house, and the nurse uh, is there looking after Mister Claw and um, Stephen Balkan and Alison Balkan are kind of looking around the house and talking about how she had traumatic memories. Yeah, um, and she says, every, yeah, uh, everywhere I look, there's a memory, and then there's a, a weird jump cut. And I'm like, I don't know why you're putting that in, because it's more, I, like, do you want us to be scared right now? Like, I'm confused. Hmm. Uh, weird editing choice um, of her being uh, a girl and, like, listening into uh, a conversation between her mother and stepfather, and she talks about, they kept talking about the hobgoblin. Yeah. Um, and that it was some sort of scary thing. And we also learn that her mother died suddenly mm-hmm. uh, and her two sisters died suddenly in this house within six months mm. and it was all to do with the hobgoblin um yeah and she thinks that they were all cursed and mm-hmm. uh, then she uh, was sent away to live somewhere else and she was quite angry at her stepfather for doing that yeah um never really forgave him said that he carted me off somewhere where he couldn't be bothered to be a father anymore yeah so there's bitterness there's a haunted house thing going on uh a guilt probably about yeah. surviving and her uh, sisters and mother dying and um, and i think this is where we also learn that that the house itself belonged to this person that the film we saw at the very beginning is based on this 18th um, century yeah uh Dark arts practitioner, a magician, you know, really, yeah. but um, yeah. but probably you know marketing himself as a yeah um, an illusionist, yeah, and... or uh, uh, but they sort of refer to him as a sadist because he allegedly k- killed people in the do by mm. doing he had this sort of circle of of fire that he would uh, fling, uh, people, fling into. people into by force, 
Um, um, so they know that the house has got a, a dark history before yeah. that. So I think maybe we're thinking, ah, she thinks the house is cursed because, because of, of things of that. that had happened before. And yeah. and that's why she has mixed feelings about going back there. Yeah. Um, but yes. Uh, so I think that's kind of all the information we get from that first segment. Yeah, yeah. I think we then go to Jonathan on the phone to a uh, Hasselhoff's hassle-free m- removal company. Correct, yeah. Uh, he's on the phone to Laszlo Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah, Laszlo. Fine. Why Laszlo? Um, and he's confused uh, about a text that they sent. No, a letter. Oh, is it a letter? Because he's reading it right, from a letter. Okay, and right, I'm okay, like, why? Okay, why have they sent then a that's letter? even. Then I'm even more angry at this. Um, it was a letter, right? So, so his confusion is that there's obviously the order reference ends in two B. Yeah, and then there's a confirmed, and he's phoning up and saying. Does that mean the order is to be confirmed, or does it mean blah 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 to be is confirmed? Yeah, and I'm like, we'll 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 read it because is there a space because if it's T O B E, yeah, then it's probably to be confirmed, and if it's the number two and the letter B, then it's probably part of the order. And, I and I, the I thought... the o- the only the only way that I had leeway with it was when I thought it was uh, when I forgot it was letter and I thought it was a text because I was like, well. If you text, you could text to be meaning to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. But, Which makes you're, sense. but you're not writing that in a letter, are you? So I don't know why. He well, thinks... that's why I thought it was a text, and then I saw he was looking down and reading it as he was on the phone, and he was holding a letter. Okay, so yeah. it must be. A so that, so yeah, so so it's it's a nonsense joke. And also, why would they send him a letter saying, <laughs> "I just to let you know this thing that you the service that you paid for eleven days ago <laughs> it's to be <laughs> yeah. it's to be confirmed." Like, <laughs> We're just sending you a letter to know that nothing's changed. Well, they write in numbers yeah. and put no spaces between any of the sentences. Yeah, ridiculous. So all for that one little first joke, uh, yeah. it, which doesn't make sense. It's just, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Polly and her friend Nina mm-hmm. are in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, and we're in a new house. Yeah, we're like in we're a, in a much smaller house. A but smaller, it's still in the countryside. House in the countryside, yeah. But no one from the previous series no. is... No. In that. So, so I'm, I'm assuming it's a different village. I'm really glad that we got one whole episode just to introduce those characters. Yeah. Um, fine. So not about the mystery, just about <laughs> the different people living in a village. Don't worry, we're not, we're not going to go back there again. Right, okay. Um, and apparently they don't have jobs anymore. Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that was totally not mentioned at all. <laughs> like, work-related commitments? No, none right, of them. Fine. Um, so yeah, so Polly and Nina are making uh, a scarecrow. For a scarecrow competition. For the, f- like, fate, yeah. For the, the fate, village scarecrow yeah. competition or something. Yeah, and Nina go- starts talking about her husband um, and is like, oh, I tell you what, speaking of of uh, 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 Jonathan, you yeah. know, he likes all these mysteries, doesn't he? Oh, my husband was at this house and there's all oh, lots of weird stuff that's gone on <laughs> she there. She says, uh, demons raised to think it was? <laughs> and it's the worst acting of trying to remember something. It's like it might yeah. be like the worst line reading. I'm not sure. No, it's in there. It's not maybe no, not the worst. But it's no, the worst. Stuck out. No, uh, for me, I mean, we'll get, we'll probably go into this in more detail when we do our retrospective episode. Mm. But for me, I think last week, the um, uh, uh, or the week before, I should say, the um, uh, son of Patrick Troughton. Um, Oh yeah, uh, Leonard Corbin. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every, every line, he every said. line he said was dreadful. Yeah. 
Um, and then, of course, you have to go all the way back to the first episode, and I can't take any of this in. Which is, I, can't, I can't take any of this in. Which is still oh, no. brilliant. Um, but yeah, up there. This is up there. Top five, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she, so she explains that uh, there's this weird house, there's a thing going on, and her, her husband is aware that there's weird stuff, and Jonathan would like it because it was belonging to this person before, and weird stuff about a hole, and people going through it, and all this. Um and and uh, as he's coming in, yeah. and Polly like shuts her up because again, again Polly doesn't want him to do this, but then also always in like I, I'm so confused about what why at this she point hates in the episode, doing... as she has done from the, since since she arrived, she is playing uh, that she doesn't want him to do have anything to do with mysteries or magic, yeah, or anything like that, yeah. But you're quite right. She flip-flops in every episode, depending on where the episode needs them to go. Yeah. So, uh, but she's gone, she reverted back to type. Oh, no, don't want anything to do with magic. Yeah. Um, and so she ushers Nina out of the room. She gives her a task. Oh, What's God, task, I don't want to talk David? about this. I don't want to talk about it. It's like it's a task it's, that she gives Nina. It's not like... Right. So we're going to have to say it because it's what's said in the episode. But it's not funny. And it's not... Yeah. So she says. So um, it's important to know that that Nina um, is uh, played by a black actor. Yes. Um, uh, so uh, so that's important. Uh, and as I say, they're making a scarecrow, and she says, "Oh, um, we need some more stuff from my sewing kit. Nina, can you go over there and pick some cotton?" And Jonathan says, "Have you gone out of your tiny mind in this day and age?" You're trying to get us arrested. And, yeah, you're trying to get us arrested, and she says, "What?" Well, I just asked her to pick some cotton, and so it's obviously it's, meant as, just, as a joke, isn't it? But, but it's it, just not funny, is it? It's not funny, and also then the actor playing Nina comes back, and Nina as a character says, "Don't know what you're talking about, Jonathan." Yeah. Like, like, well, no, you definitely would, because that's a huge racial slur. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's really odd because not only has he written an, an unfunny and offensive joke, but he's commenting on it, saying that that's offensive. Yeah, that that's offensive. You... And then having the person who's meant to be offended by it not even notice that it's happened. What are you trying to achieve here? Yeah, like what are you trying to say? Yeah, and I just, I just, I, I like that actress absolutely shouldn't have been put in that position to be in that to be part of that. Yeah, because it's dreadful. Um, and also, and do you know what really annoyed me? Do you know what really annoyed me was because um, uh, we had the um, uh, the guy with uh, putting the CCTV camera up, who's an actor of colour, mm-hmm. and then we had Nina, and I was like, I mean, bare minimum, but at least for Jonathan Creek, I was like, oh, we've had in the space of ten minutes, we've had two, two actors, actors of colour, which for Jonathan Creek, I was like, well, this is an improvement. Um, and and but then they had to comment, and then they had yeah. to purposefully comment on the fact that she's black with this joke. And I'm like, for God's sake, it's 2016. What it's are you doing? Real, it's, it's really frustrating. Racist um, old man, stop writing. I mean, uh, well, yeah, that is this is where it's difficult, isn't it? Do you want another episode? Yes, but do you want it written by him? Like, probably not at this point. No, we'll um, do it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it, guys. All right, calm down. We'll write. We'll write the next one. Yeah, and um, I then get a lot of people to fine comb teeth it. 
yeah uh, yeah yeah to that's make sure that we haven't put loads of faces that's on. a really good point yeah yeah um but yeah the, it, it is it is a, a difficult moment and then we move past it and uh nina um just leaves and in comes sorry no no because we have to talk about the weird conversation about jonathan moving his stuff from the windmill into this house yeah but like what like as you quite rightly said, like like the timeline yeah. of this is really odd. So right, so so before when we met Sarah Alexander, Polly and Jonathan were living in this kind of really modern, uh, like condo flat where everything was white and open plan and very yeah. expensive. And she was taking flights to New York because it was so important yeah. that she did this business with her dad, and that's where he went off and did a little mystery over the weekend. Now. That in that episode we learnt that he'd moved out of his windmill. She says, "Oh, can you believe I found him in living in a windmill?" Yeah. Um. So he'd sold. He'd, he'd moved out of the windmill and into this flat with her. Yeah, three years previously. Now so we're now at fi- about five years on. I suppose yeah, about five years. Um, and they've moved out of the flat and into Sarah Alexander's childhood home, which is also an old uh, haunted mansion. Yeah. Um. Now, in this village, which we met all the characters, and John Bird came back as not as the detective, but now as the parish council well, no, he was. journalist. He, he was. He was the detective, but he was in the witness but protection. But retired. Pro- oh, he was in the witness protection, protection programme. That was your theory, yeah. yeah. Um, which makes more sense. Yeah, and Jared Christmas was there working. <laughs> yeah. They were all there. And we met them all, and we spent ages finding out about their hobbies, <laughs> and the June Whitf- the June's Whitfield <laughs> there. Um... Uh, so you've invested loads of time, and now they've moved again because they've downsized. Because yeah. probably fair enough, it's quite a big job to man- manage a huge it's mansion. Much, yeah. Um, I don't know how her father did it on his own no. for so much for so long. Um, but they've downsized, and they've now moved into like a nice little semi-detached kind of three-bedroom yeah. house with some kind of eighties kitchen worktops yeah. and an old kettle. Yeah. And I'm just like, does have you? Have you changed all the things that you had in your posh flat and then your mansion to yeah, match the house? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that isn't the kettle that you would have. That's not the table you'd have. Yeah. Those aren't really the clothes you'd be wearing. No. Like, have you changed yeah. your entire personality before you've even finished unpacking? Yeah. So they're there doing that. And then he but says... But you're right. If they're going to downsize, why wouldn't they just move back? Like, go back? Why did they ever leave the flat? Why did they even leave the, ever leave the flat? Did they sell the flat and they haven't got it? Must must have done. So they've got nowhere to live apart from this thing. Oh no! Yes, they do because Jonathan still owns the, the windmill. windmill. Yeah, and, and so we've learned that he never sold it. No, we actually have footage of removal men Hasselhoff, uh, who very quickly seem to resolve their issue of it being confirmed or not confirmed. Yeah. Um. Uh. So assuming it was to be, and if that is the case, then yeah. Jonathan's an idiot. Yeah. For, yeah. for misreading that. Yeah. Which is great, because also he's the only one who can work out the crimes. <laughs> great. Lovely character trope. Really worth doing. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have he's all, all this stuff from, from the windmill. She said, oh, I thought, you know, I've been trying to get make you get rid of all that stuff for ages. Mm. We're downsizing. We don't have space for all this. So uh, why are you deciding to sell the windmill only now? Yeah, yeah. Why have you had it for five years? Because you haven't had it in storage at no. your flat or your house. No. And also, if it's stuff that's small enough to fit into a windmill, yeah, 
then it was big enough to be in the mansion. To be in the huge mansion where only two of you are living, yeah. And it would definitely be big enough to be in a three-bedroom house. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the windmill being small. Like, yeah. where is the logic in this? Yeah, thing is, it, done. And I, I can hear some of you going, oh, for goodness sake, boys, you know Jonathan Creek by now. Why does it matter? Because it, <laughs> it matters. Because it matters because you're building a logical world and a, a logic, logic characters that have to have logic for stuff to happen. There yeah. are loads of different ways you can make stuff happen if you write stuff. Because you know what? Because you're making it up. <laughs> you're the one making it all up. So all you have to do is lie, like, make stuff up based around believable circumstances. And I cannot believe that this, in 2016, he's been writing it for 20 years, yeah. nearly. 18 years? 17 yeah. years? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he still yeah. can't do it, and he's still being paid to do it. Um, yeah, utterly ridiculous. So, yeah, that whole logic of the windmill and why he's only getting rid of it now... And, and also, we know it. it's his parents. Yeah, that's a good point. So, so where are they? still in Australia? They're yeah. not mentioned throughout this episode, no. but I feel they should be. Yeah. Because we're looking through a lot of stuff. Yeah. With I've a lot of sad nostalgia. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I can't believe you're making me sell my parents' windmill when they're not even dead yet. Yeah. Or if they are dead, why haven't we talked about it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So um, that annoyed me. I had no. a big paddy about that. Um. Anyway, then I th- then I think it's the next day, or later on that day. I'm not quite sure. So I'm not sure either because I because it seems like Sarah Alexander's still working on the, the sewing. Yeah, well she is. Yeah. So I, I think it's like the next moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, the, and Nina's just not here anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they replace him with, <laughs> yeah, with Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. Yeah. So Warwick, it's <laughs> not like it's really badly cut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was confusing. Um, so yeah, Warwick Davis is a vicar called Wen- Wendell Wilkie. Will Wilkie's yeah. Wilkie, um, Wilkie, Mister Wilkie, Wilkie. They keep calling yeah. him um, rather than Reverend, Reverend Wilkie, Wilkie. But he goes around a yeah. dog collar talking about vicaring. Um, yeah, so he's a local vicar from Umblesham. Yeah, um, and he's come over because he's a massive Jonathan Creek fan. Yes, and then you have this weird conversation where. <laughs> Oh, first of all, you have uh, another offensive joke where Warwick Davis says, I'm your biggest fan, which is obviously they're trying to be funny because uh, Warwick, Warwick Davis, Davis is a person. So, is. Um, uh, careers always confused me because I'm like, you were like in Star Wars and like in like Hollywood action films with Tom Cruise. And then and now you, you're guest starring an episode of the like. Yeah, I think he kind of tends to do what he wants, doesn't he? Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, actually, um, the actor playing Stephen Balkin, who we'll come back to very shortly, um, but uh, the husband of uh, mm. the uh, uh, of Alison, whose whose big old house she's uh, about to inherit, um, Stephen Balkin was in The Force Awakens with Warwick Davis. There you go. Um, so they would have worked together. So maybe they just went, oh yeah, let's do a creep together. Maybe yeah. Warwick Davis went, oh, my mate Stephen's doing that. Maybe they got on. Maybe yeah. they met each other at the cafeteria and uh, complained about the music. <laughs> um, that was a very geeky Star Wars reference for you there. Um, which is all coming from me as well, because I'm not a particular... That's Clarinet. Um, so, yeah, there, then, yeah, you have this conversation... Where Warwick Davis is just listing episodes of Jonathan Creek, yeah, but but by wrong titles. Well, no, some of them are correct, oh. and then some like the mystery like, of the man who climbed he go- the stairs. Yeah, because <laughs> like- he goes, he goes, God, 
some of those like, some of those mistrials are so good and he's like, Satan's chimney is scrubbing I was like oh yeah great that's what it was called yeah then he goes yeah the mystery of the man who climbed up the stairs of like, the three gamblers <laughs> Geiger the mystery of Geiger mystery of the man who climbed up the stairs indeed um, and then and then he with Satan's chimney like he he takes the cafetiere and kind of pulls it up and down to visually explode. Oh, yeah. spoiler. Oh, it's done this way. So he's obviously, you know, got a mind for this kind of thing. Yeah. And is trying to show off in front of Jonathan. Yeah. He's playing the character that Tom Goodman Hill played. Yeah. But yeah. in a, in a, you know, the different it's character, true, but true. that same kind of That's thing. That's very true. Um, uh, and, and he says the skeleton suit was my favorite one. Dance macabre. Yeah. Um, which is true of a lot of people. But why does he um, call it the, the missing, vanishing skeleton rather than yeah. dance macabre? Yeah, <laughs> he the, didn't even call it vanishing. He called it the, the skeleton suit, didn't he? No, I think he called it the the, the vanishing, the vanishing oh, the, skeleton. I think, right. or the miss, the disappearing skeleton, or something. Um, yeah, but uh, but then then he says um, also because of my work as a vicar. I, I do a lot of work talking w- and working with prisoners. Mm. So, yeah, so he says this is the real reason why he's here. Ah, uh, yeah, that's the reason he's come round. That, the reason he's come round is, uh, he says, and do you remember the House of Monkeys? Oh, oh, yeah. oh the episode title again. You got one right, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says, well, you know, the man that uh, you, uh, you know, discovered, killed, uh, uh, sent the... Uh, the poisoned, poisoned envelope. Um, Elliot Strange uh, was called t- something Tyree. Ty- Tyree. Tyree. Some something Tyree or Tyree some, something. Something Tyree. I think Tyree's the surname. Okay. Um, yeah, someone Tyree. Uh, and well, uh, you know, I've been working with him a lot, and yeah, uh, he's now kind of reformed and changed his ways, and he's, you know, he's not an evil murderer anymore. He's a nice guy. And I was like, wait a minute. He was an animal rights activist. Who didn't he mean wasn't... to kill anyone. Yeah, yeah. He sent some hallucinogenics to Elliot Strange. Yeah. In order to, like, screw him up and yeah. and uh, punish him and shake him up and take the threat yeah, seriously. Yeah, he fell on a samurai sword. So and, it wasn't, yeah. yeah, he wasn't... A... He wasn't a murderer. He wouldn't have gone down for murder. No, Which also I... explains why he... It, what, uh, what Warwick Davis is about to explain yeah. is that he's being let out of jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, he can't have been that bad if he's been let out Mm-hmm. How much? How long? How much later? Well, what would it be? No, well, nine, oh, 19 years to be fair. Was it that early on, House of Monkeys? Yeah, it was the last episode of season one. So it'd been nine, yeah, eighteen, eighteen years maybe. Okay, so he got eighteen years for sending an LSD laced yeah. envelope. Yeah, because that's all he did. Yeah, yeah, that's that an all he awful did. lot. That's all he did. <laughs> that's that's wor- actually that's worse logic than I thought it was. So thank you for correcting me, but unfortunately. It's worse. <laughs> That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. He went down for 18 years for sending a LSD-laced envelope. And also, Jonathan didn't ever find out who that person was. He just said it was the envelope. And yeah. presumably the police went and found well, out who this, this is, person was, Well, right? this, is, this is it. This is it. Um, uh, well, no, he did. He knew where it came from because of the whole the, the address thing, do you remember? But um, he didn't find... Did he find the guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and... That's why they had to choose that one because it's the only one where you never actually meet the murderer or you never really find out what happens because we said at the time, like, oh, so they're not going to actually follow that through then. You're just going right. to uh, leave that. Uh, yeah. Patrick Tyree. You're Patrick right. Tyree. Um, so, yeah, we learn that he's out, he's repented and he want, and he's trying to 
And does he actually want from this? He doesn't. Does he actually outright say, "I want you to meet with him," and so he can repent, or is he just no. trying to? I I don't know actually. I think he's just saying that he's going to be let out, and he said that he wanted to meet you. And yeah, I said so he's trying to so, right. so, presumably yeah. so he can repent, kind of thing. Broker yeah, a, a meeting between. So the I two think of he's them. trying to broker a meeting. Um, but midway through this conversation, um, uh, they. Go, well, there's a weird bit where Rock Davis tries and does a magic trick and accidentally eats some buttons. Yeah, that's what I was um, uh, And there's also a weird bit where he's in the toilet and they're moaning about him. And he could definitely hear them because it's literally just a toilet that's off yeah. the, like, a, in the kitchen with a door and they're in the kitchen talking about him. So I'm like, it's fine. Um, and Jonathan says, like, oh, it's worse. He's worse than a funny vicar in a sitcom. I'm like, yeah. are you again calling out what you've done in this, though? And also what you've done in previous episodes where you've had comedy vicar characters. Because this isn't the first time we've had a comedy vicar. Is it self-referential in that sense? In which case, fine. But mm. uh, but an odd thing to do, but fine. Or I got the impression he was saying it's really annoying because at least in a sitcom, the vicar would be funny. This guy's just boring. Right. Like, well, but you've, you've written it. Again, you've, ri- <laughs> you've written it. Like, yeah, you're right. He does go on a bit. And that was a bit unnecessary. But he at least we got some information about yeah. Patrick Tyree. So he yeah he does a trick with some buttons and eats them and that's a weird thing. And then Jonathan and Polly um the the stuff arrives. Yeah. Um. But before we see the stuff arrive, there is during the scene. I was going to say there's a, a cutback. Cut, yeah. A cutback to the windmill. Windmill, and it, it's it's a comedy cutback because it's literally immediately after he says. He's repented and he feels really bad and he and he's forgiven you and he he's wants got to rid of the evil, evil in his got heart. Got rid of the evil in his heart. That damned animal rights activist. Yeah, all um, he cared about was freeing those monkeys. Yeah, uh, and then it cuts to Jonathan's windmill and we see uh, Patrick Tyree, who is looks like a stereotypical psychopath. And I'm like, yeah. no, God, but you, you made him the animal rights activist, though. You know that. You know that. Why? Have, why don't you care? But, um, uh, and is, yeah, lurking. Yeah, he's lurking. He's lurking, uh, because he obviously hasn't realised that Jonathan's moved out of the windmill. Yeah. So he goes, uh, sees all the stuff being moved out and then hides in, uh, a a magic box. Like a a trick box coffin thing. Trick box coffin thing. Where, well, it was, it's the, it's the sawing the gun and a half trick, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it has slats for putting metal blades into and they almost do that, but then they don't because... Uh, La- what's his name? Laz Laszlo. Laszlo. Or it, could, or it could be Zoltan because there's a point where Jonathan says, "Oh, just put Zoltan on the phone when he's on the phone." To Laszlo. Okay, so it could be Laszlo or Zoltan. Yeah, who knows? I mean, amazing names. Yeah. Um. Uh. And he says, "Come on, guys, stop messing about." So he does it in kind of a, a thick pan-European. It is very yeah, uh, presumably German, but it doesn't sound very German. No uh, accent. Um, and so they cart him off, wrap, wrap him in bubble wrap, and then cart the box into the uh, van. Yeah. Not realising that there's a whole human body in it, that there wasn't in it so five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, the, the weight has dramatically changed. Apparently they don't think that's anything to worry about. Yeah, well, they used to do that kind of stuff with the Chuckle Brothers and no one noticed. <laughs> like, that's true. That's the thing, it's the second time I've mentioned Chuckle Brothers on a, on a podcast of oh, ours. at the very least. <laughs> yeah, least. I mean, you can't mention them enough. But again, you shouldn't. We, we shouldn't be having to suspend our disbelief as much as a six-year-old on CBBC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's yeah. the level that we have to be at in order yeah. to enjoy Rennick's logic. 
Yeah. And it is important because it's not a joke. It's actually important, integral to the story that later on becomes life and death. Yeah. So, so it is an issue, but we're just going to move past it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this stuff then arrives, obviously, presumably including the the. Uh, so is this uh, Tyree like just later on the same day? Yeah, really it's all know. happening kind of in just general time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, no we learned last here. week that if you are a stickler too much for oh my time, then nothing works. Um, but yeah, so uh, the stuff arrives at Jonathan. So Jonathan and Polly go out and uh, Wilkie's alone in the kitchen and he hears the phone ring and it goes to answer phone message mm-hmm. and it is the daughter of its uh what's her name something belkin uh the daughter of uh Imelda, Imelda belkin uh so alison belkin alison belkin yeah. Yeah. calls and uh she is uh, uh leaves a message saying oh, i'm looking for jonathan creek you don't know me but you helped my husband stephen belkin six years ago with a case and there's some weird stuff going on here, and we'd like you to help us. We're at a demon's roost. We're at demon's roost. Um, so what's weird about that is that then then I was like, then why did we need Nina's husband to also be... Like, if you're going to get that information from this one... Now it's weird because there are two separate connections to this house and to Jonathan and Polly that don't need to exist. It's just, I think it's the, the fact that... That... The person who encouraged Nina to talk about it mm. was was so Nina was told to mention it, but uh, we know we we find out later. I'm not going to tell say who because uh, of any spoilers. But um, so that that was planted. The f- fact that Alison right. rang Jonathan was actually coincidence. They didn't know that was going to happen. The, the the powers at be, the, be at play yeah. in the mystery didn't know that Alison was going to call. I think that's a that's by chance. Okay, I missed that about it being planted. We'll talk about it at the end, but because I because that's what I thought. Because I thought her husband was the CCTV guy, but her husband was the taxi driver. So that's when I got confused about who. Yeah, it's not husband though; it's in law. In law, right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to it again because yeah. I might have I might have missed uh, misunderstood that as well. But I think that's why there are two things that happen. Okay, but but again, uh, I think just get rid of the the one or the get other. Get rid of yeah. Like, we don't need both. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, as viewers, and it doesn't really um, add anything to the story. So yeah. So Warwick Davis overhears this and decides that he's gonna try and solve it himself. So it goes off to Demon's Roost. Goes off to Demon's Roost. Um. Meanwhile, Jonathan and Polly are then in bed. Yeah, and Polly says, "Oh, what's that? What what what's that thing about the eunuch? About the the eunuch in in uh, uh, at, at a fair or something?" Is getting it wrong? And then he goes, "Oh, I think you mean the unicorn affair." Yeah, um, uh, the striped unicorn affair. Um, and then he starts talking, and then uh, and then it's the and then it's obviously it's the thing. It's Stephen Belkin's yeah, mystery. Stephen Belkin's But I was mystery. like, but, but you didn't hear the answer phone message. Well, this no. No, no, no. Because she did when she got in, pressed play, and okay. then decided to delete, delete it. it. Right, sorry, I missed that. But then it was playing on her mind. So, so, she, so she made so she pretended that she'd heard someone talking about it. That's I why. I see. Thank yeah. you. I was confused um, on that. But again, 
it's really dishonest thing to do is to hide messages for your husband, yeah. whom you love, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, what? What does like hiding posts from something? Like, who does this? Yeah. If you're all do- out home doing that with your spouses, listeners, stop it. Yeah. It's not acceptable behaviour. No, absolutely not. Uh, I think it, it, you know, shows up a big chink in the armour of love. <laughs> Mistrust. Um, I just that's, I think I'll write that on a on a fridge magnet. I think you should. I think you should, or a meme. Yeah. Well, maybe a meme. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she lies about that, and he half tells her, and then says, "Oh, you don't really want to know." And she goes, "No, yeah, tell me." And he goes, yeah. "Oh, well, yeah. Um, it was a mystery." And then does he tell her the rest of it then, or do yeah. we have to wait for it no, even no. more? He, so he starts it very strangely. He says, "Well, yeah, six years ago." There was uh, a man that had been accused of poisoning his wife. Uh, it, um, uh, they gave uh, the lawyer gave me a ring because it seemed to be an open and shut case. So I was right. like, why, why, you a ring why was anyone ringing you? For, uh, only you are only ever contacted specifically when it's a wide open case yeah. that something weirds happened and it's unsolvable. Yeah, why would you be called? Like, so, like, are we saying like people with? calling Jonathan like to make sure that open and shut cases were actually open and shut now so yeah. does that mean every every murder case now people are calling Jonathan Creek just to make sure that it is what it looks like yeah. like I'm not, I don't understand why I he was I right. don't understand in what world a lawyer's calling Jonathan Creek um uh, yeah uh, and he says the re- but the, the reason why is because they couldn't find out who was writing these death threat letters to. Um, also, sorry the, if your defence, if your defence think is, is if their best shot is Jonathan is a Creek. magician's assistant who's coming who's, in. Who, no, as a as a <laughs> as a an advertise a marketing an advertising well, no, no, marketing no, consultant. No, six years ago he would have still been. It would have been pre Woody. Polly. Would yeah. it just be, just before? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, even so, I, I don't I don't think that would stand up very well in court. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I, well, we've seen it him stand up in court uh, yeah. and give evidence. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is that was a weird episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that happens. So he he helps out and he discovers that actually there was poison uh, that was planted on the top of a bookshelf, yeah. and when she got her book out, the poison fell into the glass of water. And the reason why it was like the striped unicorn mm-hmm. was because it was actually a picture of a zebra. Yeah, but and the, the picture had... When the poison had dropped into yeah. the water, a splash of water had gone on the painting. Yeah. Because it was a kid's watercolour, it yeah. ran and yeah. looked like a horn. Yeah. So that's how he'd worked out that, mm-hmm. that Stephen Belkin was innocent. I still don't understand how that proves Stephen Belkin wasn't the person he poisoned her. It doesn't. So why go to the bother of making up that huge convoluted story yeah. to make us believe that? But it, well, like, he said, why he would said, he it didn't well, convince it was, me at the time? Yeah, he says, but you know, well, it was enough to get him off. So there we go. Yeah, how? How was it enough know. to get him off? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Which and that comes back later on. It's important, guys, because yeah. that. It, yeah. Uh, anyway. So he gets him off, and Stephen then goes off, gets over his wife's death, and marries uh, Alison Belkin. Yes. Um, and that's who is now at the House of Demons Roost. So she's ringing to say, hey, you helped my husband six years ago. Yeah. And I think you should yeah. come and help uh, with us as well. Um, so then we go to 
uh, uh, Warwick Davis at the house. Yeah. And he's doing some sort of seance. He is. <laughs> Performing some kind of exorcism. He's, and he's house. on the phone to Rome, presumably, or like yeah, some... Yeah. And they're giving him different Latin phrases and looking up uh, Bible passages that he then doesn't read out. And then the phone call goes dead. And then they end that conversation. So, and I go, so to be clear, to be clear, he's a he's a Catholic reverend. I, I, he's I a Catholic C of E. It seems like that. <laughs> but they just keep calling him Mr. Wilkie. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's not even ordained at this point. But he seems to be a bit of a... A lackluster vicar yeah. with a with a penchant for mystery. Um, so he's kind of yeah cleansing the the air. Yeah. But the, but all that nonsense and business on the phone with the Bible all felt like it was leading up to some like oh here comes a bad Jonathan Creek joke. Yeah. Wasn't even one of those. No. It's like oh I'm so bored of Warwick Davis like you say a, a Hollywood level actor yeah. coming in and saying half sentences and then yeah. starting new ones again. Why do I need... To, why? Why are yeah. you doing this? Why is none of this... Le- at least lead to a bad joke. But yeah. no, you're not... You're just forgetting... You're just nonsense. A nonsense writing yeah. here. Yeah. But anyway, uh, an important thing happens because we see him light some matches with a branded match book mm-hmm. uh, that he gets out of a jacket. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are... Um, uh, uh, I've written doesn't... some... Yeah. Some note here, as yeah. in uh, scarecrow nonsense. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, there's some scarecrow nonsense. Uh, I'm not sure when this happens at the house though, but they, they, they find a book um, uh, that was written by the occultist that lived there, and there's a yeah. passage. It's a big passage that they that seems to be relevant. Um, it and... has some uh, some like a like a poetry stanza. Yeah, um... yeah. There's a poetry stanza that they think is going to be a clue. To something. Um, so then, yeah, then you have the the uh, uh, Jonathan building a scarecrow of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, and Polly's going through all the stuff that's arrived. Um, yeah. And they keep saying, well, Polly says, oh, he, oh, I see you've done your scarecrow after he said he yeah. wouldn't. And he says, yeah, do you get who it is? And she goes, oh, yeah, I do now. It's Phil Jupiter. Yeah. Which is weird because it's yeah. very obviously... Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Doesn't look anything like Phil Jupiter. Well, so if you know who Jonathan Creek is, if you watch Jonathan Creek, you probably will have seen Alan Davis on uh, QI, the massively successful panel show that's world famous. Uh, one of the regular stars of that show being Phil Jupiter, also Phil Jupiter being a, a, a relatively famous comic, Buzzcocks. Yeah. Loads of TV, Stand Live yeah. at the Apollo... Like he's a famous comedian who who doesn't who famously doesn't look anything like Hitchcock. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. It's a really weird thing to say, <laughs> but also by say. mentioning Phil Jupiter's as yeah. like one of Alan Davis' best friends and yeah, colleagues and in real QI life for years. I and... find it really weird. Yeah, yeah. It takes you out. It completely takes you out of the fictional world. Yeah. Because you because you think about Phil Jupiter, so you think about Buzzcocks, but you also these days think about the fact that he's a pretty regular. A uh, uh, panelist on Alan Davies's team, yeah, constantly on QI. Yeah, and like so, I got, often will think of Phil Jupiter and then pretty closely afterwards think of Alan Davies. So if you yeah. play the word association game, I think yeah. those two would come very, mm-hmm. uh, very closely together. So it's a weird thing to do to remind you that he's Alan Davies, yeah. and not Jonathan Creek. Like absolutely destroying your suspension of disbelief. But fine, and I also mean, just makes me right? think that Polly is even more of an idiot because she doesn't know what Phil Jupiter's looks like. Yeah. Yeah. 
And doesn't has or all that. And, and if she knows who Phil Jupiter is, hasn't she noticed that her husband has a striking resemblance to Alan Davis? <laughs> like, <laughs> there are all forms of friends you could go down with that logic. Yeah. Um, but they're yeah. going. They're going through all this stuff, and she says, "Oh, look, your first magic set." And I'm like, "Well, I don't know why she knows that, but because well, why? Well, it's used from you. Why have you decided that that's his first magic set?" Yeah. But apparently, right, because he doesn't correct her. Yeah. Um, and then we and then we get this weird thing about his brother, and that his brother used to leave him notes about fairies and and stuff in the garden, and that was kind of his love of magic started from his brother Terry. And yeah. We've never heard about his brother Terry before. No. Um. Uh. And then he says like Terry Creek. Terry Creek. Um. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh. You know, he he certainly. It's, I can't remember the line now, but it's like really profound. And like mysterious line, and then it's just that's it, and it's never really picked up on oh, again. He says um, he he. It was something along the lines of like him being a hard taskmaster, like it being an yeah. older brother. It's yeah, like he's oh, he certainly has a lot to answer for. Yeah, a lot to answer for, and, and then like nothing. With, yeah, and then like, like, yeah. So yeah, in my head, I invented yeah. oh, in the fact that he was hard with you, or that he started he played magic tricks with uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I d- I, but it's never explained, so don't worry. No. And there's also a weird thing they do where they do a flashback to Jonathan as a child playing with Terry. Yeah. But what's weird about it is literally the previous shot before they do a flashback is a doctored photo of Jonathan as a boy where it's a real young Alan Davies, but then yeah. obviously they do a flashback where it's a where it's a diff- it's a child actor. So it's like, well, don't show us, don't show us two different yeah. versions of him as a boy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Just pick one and we'll go with it. It's so weird. Yeah. It's really so odd. Weird because we... you didn't need the photo of him at all. I mean, there's an awful lot in this section as well about the fact that he was in a play. Yeah. At school. He was in a play of A Tale of Two Cities. Where he played uh, the lead character yeah. who sacrifices his life. Yeah. Uh, so that the innocent person escapes the guillotine. Yeah. Um. And apparently the school report was saying how amazing he was. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it, it, it was kind of... It, it, I don't know why it was there. No, I don't know. Except, yeah. having seen the rest of the episode, but later on. now I know why it was there. Yeah. And Do you? Suffice, suffice to say, it is ridiculous yeah. that we had to listen to a long story about Jonathan Creek being an actor as a child, yeah, which also it, completely doesn't fit with his character no, no, as a shy, no. slightly possibly on the autism scale, yeah, maths no, genius no. with a penchant for magic tricks yeah. and an ability to stage, manage, technically direct, direct, creatively write, edit yeah. both film and stage shows of magic shows. Like, that's yeah. all his skill sets are. Yeah. No, I don't understand why, he's a phenomenal why he actor. was the phenomenal actor and the lead in a show at school. Yeah. But um, there you are. Uh, then we get a weird thing where it's just uh, um, <laughs> uh, just a montage of loads of photos of people with scarecrows. I just put at this point more scarecrow nonsense. <laughs> Goes on for about oh about seven and a half minutes, and it's just a load of fake digitally made pictures of 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 scarecrows, presumably that people have made around the village, right? This is what I find confusing because that to me made it feel like this was very much the Scarecrow Day, the day of the Scarecrow Festival. Yeah. yeah. Because everyone's out with their scarecrows. You see a photo monster, everyone's having fun. But then 
the the, the scarecrow competition is like days later. That's about three days. <laughs> about three what? days later. So what was this day? Why are we? Why did we just have a montage of loads of scarecrows? I don't know. I I don't know I don't either. Know. Also, is the scarecrow village like the village that Jonathan and Polly are living in? Yeah, that's the village that's having the scarecrow competition, yeah. right? So why does Warwick Davis live in the same village no. as? No, he doesn't. No, because does he live in the same village as Demons Roost? I, I don't know. So what's his role in the scarecrow competition later on? Because they, because actually, yeah. They're not in Ambleshim. He's in Ambleshim because that's the conversation. When they talk about Rock Davis' first goal, that vicar over in Ambleshim is right. a fan. So he's in Ambleshim. I don't know what village they're in anymore. Um, and it's a short drive away from Demon's Roost. It's Rich, a short so drive Presumably away from another Demon's village. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. So I think the only reason why Warwick Davis has got an interest in, in Ambleshim is because of Jonathan Creek. Right. Warwick Davis is interested because he's a fan. But he's not the vicar of Amblesham, and he's not the vicar of where De- wherever Demon's Roost is. No, he is the vicar of Amblesham. But oh, but Jonathan Greek and Polly aren't in Amblesham. Sorry, yeah. I misheard. Okay. Yeah. If you've gone to sleep here, don't worry. We'll wake <laughs> you up again. Um, we're just having a little chat about Amblesham, and it's actually based on a bet. Before you recorded the podcast, it yeah. was about on how many times we could get the word Amblesham. <laughs> um. So. Yeah, then we get, speaking of Warwick Davis, he's in his kitchen and he's got all this clutter on his thing and he's trying, on his table, and he's trying to work out this stanza and he works it out that there's, there's the word foot in it that doesn't yeah. make sense. And he said, but foot to a writer um, is to do with how many lines in a in a specific type of uh, structure yeah. of poetry. And so he works out that when it says there's, there's a foot the, doesn't fit, there's yeah. one line that doesn't fit the measure of a foot in a poem. Uh, and it's the line that says something about beneath you. The answer is beneath you. The, ar- the, ar- the answer yeah. lies beneath. Um, so they decide to go grave robbing. Yeah. Now, this is not Jonathan and Polly. They're not involved in the Demon's Roost thing no, because no. Jonathan hasn't heard the call yeah, uh, no. from Alison. No. Polly's lying to him about that yeah. and teasing him about his childhood whilst he very emotionally goes through stuff in a skip from his windmill yeah um at this point uh the tyree yeah. has not yet resurfaced has he no so at the moment he uh, can only still be somehow alive and 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 in the van in in either in the no in in wherever they've keeping all jonathan's stuff yeah but hasn't that skip arrived since they've made he's made the phone call so i'm i'm wondering yeah like my logic was oh the skip's there oh that means tyree's it, it like next to the skip with a yeah. lot of this junk yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, he yeah. wasn't so i forgot about it yeah but I don't, so at this point i don't know where he is no no but he he has he's either well he, he has to still be in in the box yeah but i don't know how he's still alive um because they wrapped it in bubble wrap. Yeah, so. yeah, and um, I don't think they've un- I don't think they would have unwrapped that box no. at this point. Um, so yeah, um, so so they uh, are um the Belkins and yeah. the um CCTV guy. So the CCTV guy is a character called Ryman. Yeah. Um, and he's played by jo- uh, Jason uh Jason Barrett. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I can't read my handwriting. Jason Barrett. Um. Yeah, and he's the CCTV guy who 
we're led to believe the nurses assumed that this work was arranged before uh, the um, Ken Bones character um, had his stroke. So he's there setting up cameras. Mm. And I'm pretty sure his work's kind of done at yeah. this point. Um, and then he's there in the evening time when it's all dark. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah. And then he g- decides to help them yeah. go and dig up the grave of the man who originally owned the house yeah. and was buried here uh, in excess of 150 years yeah. ago. Why is he... Is he staying there while he does the work? <laughs> it makes sense later why he's so involved. But right now, it seems really weird that a guy installing CCTV cameras is is somehow so involved in the... Because yeah. there's a point in a bit as well where he's like he's in the house with with Claw and everyone. I'm like, yeah. I don't know why he's this involved in the family now because he's literally just a man putting up CCTV cameras. Okay, but, but even though you say it makes sense later why yeah. for him why he's involved, yeah, it doesn't why make is sense anyone why anyone it out? else yeah, in yeah, the family. Everyone's fine. Has got this complete around. strange man who's turned yeah. up in worksman's clothes yeah. and said, "Oh, um, don't worry, he called me before he had his stroke. I'm yeah. here to." do this work. Oh, well, I'm just going to stay the night for a couple yeah. of nights too. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to kind of become part of your family. I'm like, it, I'd be suspicious. This is like going to be my new best friend thing where you're like, yeah. is it yeah. you just seeing how long you can integrate yourself into this family? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what is happening here yeah. and no one's questioning it. No. But they are questioning all the other weird things that happen in the house, but not yeah. that. Yeah. So alarm bells, frankly. Yeah. Um. So they go off to rob a grave of, of our, our man that lived there before. Yeah. Um, or a cultist, uh, sadist man. Um, uh, to try and get some answers about this house and the weird things and maybe the weird things that happened to her sisters and, <laughs> yeah. and mum and what the hobgoblin is and all that thing. Um, so they, uh, dig up, they dig up the coffin and they open the coffin and a CGI ghost comes out. <laughs> like three or four CGI ghosts fly out and they make this noise like, and, and now, and now it it is, a, it, they are rather CGI ghosts. That that is what they are, and that's what we see. Yeah. So and everyone scarpers. So I runs off afraid. So I'm confused about that because uh, uh, is the, uh, are we seeing what they think they've seen rather than what's actually happening? But from the perspective of the tree. <laughs> of the tree, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so, so we're yeah, seeing we're what they're seeing, but not but from, from their perspective. From a bird's eye view. Yeah, right, this or is... from the branch of a tree, which is one of the most confusing storytelling techniques I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> I think at this point, Sandy Johnson is kind of playing with an element of magical realism. Um, it reminded me of the film, like, Water for Chocolate. Yeah. Um, uh, expressionism is in there as well. I'm, I, yeah. It's quite a clever, arty way of changing the perspective of the viewer <laughs> and making not just the un- the narrator unreliable but making you the unreliable narrator yeah yeah um, so yeah, you can't trust true. anything that you've seen, that you've seen in, no. in the episode no. up to this far no. it's a really brain groundbreaking <laughs> and i don't think i don't think sandy johnson's got enough credit for this over no he's years, not frankly. he's not this is, this is pure innovation what are you doing <laughs> i mean literally you could just you could get anyone like one of the ads from EastEnders just, just just ask him for advice on how to shoot it. They would be able to tell you better than it's so weird though, than because, this because it's obviously because they've gone well. 
if we if we if we make it look too much like a sheet, then people will, will guess that it's probably been a sheet. But but, but but if that's what it's going to be, but if, yeah, if that's what, then, then, then it has to. We have to, It has to be what it is. It can't. It we be, can't see something that it isn't. But, and if they're all and, going to believe it, we, yeah. But but we wouldn't believe it. Then we don't believe them. So <laughs> that's a pretty rubbish. If 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 you were like an Agatha Christie and someone says, "Oh, this man's been murdered," and we don't know how, and then another character just went. No, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. That would be the end of the episode, wouldn't it? <laughs> Enough people have to believe them. Surely we as the viewers have to think that they think they've yeah. seen something supernatural. Yeah. But, so, yeah. So, anyway, they've forgotten that and done it with CGI. Done um, it with CGI and not done it from any of their points of view. Yeah. So, yeah, as we say, you can't have, you can't have both of those things together. You yeah. can't have what they saw but from an outside point of view because yeah. it doesn't make then it's just not you're just lying to us it's like you know when you had blind man bleeding gums murphy um I, where's this guy the keep pretending to be blind for his own oh, benefit sorry, i thought you meant literally bleeding gums i thought you're gonna make a simpsons analogy no i just couldn't remember the name of the um the jazz singer uh, uh huey harper huey harper played by sweet screech yeah um, what's his name? Um, I've forgotten. You've forgotten his name yeah. as well. We forget his name periodically from the wire, wonderful actor. Yeah. Um, Swerman and Arthur Miller at the old Vic recently. Fantastic. Um, I said recently, obviously Knox Theatre's dead now. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I he, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense and it's a really stupid piece of, piece of filmmaking. Um, and it should have got a golden raspberry for that. Yeah, it's just nonsense. So yeah, so that happens, and they all run away. Um, and then John, and then it's the next morning, and Rourke Davis phones Jonathan and fills him in on all what's been going on. Yeah, but while while that's so been happening, we yeah, our perspective on this is we can see inside Rourke Davis's home and what looks like the back of Jonathan Creek. Yeah, and we can hear Jonathan's voice, uh, and. But we're watching it through the window, and then also who's looking through the window is old Mister. Uh, what was his name? Tyree. Patrick Tyree. Patrick Tyree. Uh, is looking through the window, and 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 Warwick Davis leaves the room, and Patrick Tyree jumps in through the window, trips over the window frame, which was an odd thing to leave in because I was like, I think that's a mistake. I, I think, think that's, that's the actor. Yeah. Because why are you trying to undermine the threat of this? moment because yeah. you're trying to trick us and think Jonathan's about to be attacked so why would you have the it's so weird yeah. such a weird choice to, to leave that in I... if you had him as a as a novice Greenpeace activist who was <laughs> yeah. feathers ruffled maybe he wouldn't be used to jumping in that window I don't know yeah um so yeah so he and then he stabs Jonathan in the shoulder a few times uh, and then nothing and then it cuts away and it cuts to Rick Davis coming back into the room and going oh what's happened here and you realise it's a work davis's scarecrow yeah of jonathan creek that's been attacked so he phones jonathan up and says that you uh, better know something someone's after you someone's after you and then the police and patrick's been released so it could yeah. Be yeah so the police turn up and say oh uh we don't have the budget to help you yeah <laughs> like, yeah accurate um and uh he says do you have any way you could stay out of the way that no one could find you in. Yeah. Um, 
And in my head, I was like, oh, they're going to go back to the windmill. That would be yeah, that's fun. what I thought. Right, okay. Because I well, thought they'd not got rid of it, and now I know that they haven't all these years. Yeah, I thought that's where that was leading. Fantastic. But, right. um, but no, no, they go to Demon's Roost. Now, before we get to Demon's Roost, I want to talk about the logic of Patrick Tyree, who yeah. has uh, got free, gone to the windmill, found that there are people moving his stuff out. Yeah, hides in... Seen the address mm-hmm. of Jonathan Creek... Of yep. where he's going, yep. because that's how he realises that he's moving out. So he, he's he got Jonathan's actual real-life address of where yep. he lives, right? Yeah, yep. He's yep. got that. Yeah, hides in the thing. Gets there by hiding in the thing. Yep. Then the removal men drive that stuff to Jonathan's house. Yeah, Jonathan's in and around the house the whole time, hasn't left anywhere no. to do with the house. No, he doesn't. Patrick do Tyree's been hiding there in the coffin the whole time, yep. Yep. possibly getting a bit weak, lack of oxygen. Yeah. And then... Decides to go to Amblesham, yeah, which is <laughs> the I don't know village up, the next yeah. village along. Yeah. How has he got from Am- from from Jonathan's house, which yeah. is where he's trying to be, mm-hmm. and not? Re- Why has he then decided to go to Amblesham and attack a scarecrow yeah. that looks like Jonathan, and then l- leave that Amblesham again? Yeah. Why is why is any of that happened? Yeah, because that's what's happened. Yeah, you can't tell me it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, because that's what's happened. Yeah. So, are, are you effing insane? You um, you've left something out. Like, oh no. Sure what? Why? Why is he at Warwick Davis's? Because he no, I don't know. I have no why idea. Why is he at? Because he has no idea. Like. Well, he's, he knows Warwick Davis, but yeah. he doesn't know where Warwick Davis lives, presumably, because you're not allowed to give prisoners your address. And, and why would he? Why would he think? Why he has no idea that at this point he doesn't know if Warwick Davis has spoken to Jonathan Creek. He doesn't know what's going on there. Why would he go to Warwick Davis's house? He's got no reason to. In the hope that Jonathan Creek might be there, especially if he's coming from, from Jonathan's, Jonathan's house. house. He's yeah. at Jonathan's house and has been left outside There's his no house logic. next to a skip. It's yeah. It makes no sense. Oh. It makes no sense. But again, it's a quick fix. You just have to think for more than five seconds, maybe, and yeah. and you and you might come up with a better answer. But you just cannot be bothered. It's a contempt for the viewer. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just. I mean, at least Sandy Johnson's pushing, you know, filmmaking boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> but David Rennick's just got contempt. He just thinks that we're absolute idiots. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which we are, because we've spent six months making a podcast this watching his program. But um, yeah, so that happens, and that's enough to make Jonathan and Polly go, well, where's the safest place we know? Um, oh, I know. It's the haunted house, Demon's Roost. Yes. Because they, they've they got problems anyway. Yeah. So we'll, yeah, we might as well go and stay there. I, again, it's a weird logic why they're... Why they're going they go there. there, but fine, it gets them there. Um, and at least he knows Stephen, even if he doesn't know the rest of the family, because yeah. he helped him escape a murder charge six years ago. Yeah. So they arrive, and Stephen says, oh, you caught me out. You got me out of one frying pan, now I'm into another fire. Right. Which is a weird, off-the-cuff thing to say about something that, that must have been a pretty big impact in your life. Yeah, your um, wife dying. Yeah. Um, but there you are. There you are. Uh, and so they're now at the house. Uh, now, um, Polly's not happy about being there because she doesn't like anything to do with spooky stuff or magic. So she's being very difficult the whole time. They go up to the room and Sorry. they find a rat 
we've, um, we've missed something quite crucial. Go on. Uh, uh, um, so at some point during all the things we've talked about, there is a there is a bit where they go back to Demon's Roost and they're all sat in the living room with Claw, Mr. Claw, and he dies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's a really important <laughs> bit. So they're all in there, including the CCTV man. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly, uh, he uh, kind of bolt upright, claw in his wheelchair, is suddenly staring through the doorway, stares at the phone, back to the door, to the phone, to the door, other people's eyes, to the phone, to the other people's eyes, door, phone, eyes, door, door, for, and it's the most horribly invasive edited, like, it's just awful. It's, it's an awful really, it's thing to watch. Un- and it goes watch. on for about maybe two and a half hours. I mean, and yeah, I, yeah, it's very and I, it's far too, it's too like, long. what? Like, just get to the point. <laughs> and then he dies. Yeah, and he then he gets out d- a huge gasp. Gets out a huge gasp and dies. And his stepdaughter, uh, uh, Alison, says, somebody call an ambulance. And the caretaker woman the nurse, says, yeah. the nurse says, uh, that won't be necessary. I'm like, well, I, no, I think it is. I think yeah. I think you still do have to call, call an ambulance. Call someone. Yeah. Because the logic in this episode is that if someone just dies, apparently you don't have to do anything apart from call the undertaker who might take a few days to come and pick up the body. I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. Well, I mean, I suppose you could if that was your express wishes, but standard procedure would be calling an ambulance, having a medical professional actually record the person dead at yeah. a certain time and yeah. write some notes down and do things a bit officially. But this, as you pointed out, never really happens in Jonathan Creek. No, no. Um, he just refuses to accept that... Uh, like, he doesn't understand the jobs that people do have and then forgets that there are actual procedural things that require human resources. Yeah. And official records and stuff that you can actually look at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Zoe dies and then they leave him in the house. Um, and we learn this because later on when Polly's nervously sleeping uh, whilst Jonathan's talking to the nurse. Yeah. Uh, she gets up and um, goes to get some water and John Warwick Davis says, oh, sorry to scare you. And tries uh, to give her the buttons. Tries to give her the buttons. Bum, bum buttons. And then she goes, okay. Bum buttons, bummons, um, <laughs> and he goes. She goes upstairs again, and gets into goes into the wrong room, and yes. then gets into bed with dead Neil Claw. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not I'm now not convinced his name is Neil Claw. No, I it's not a good it name. Neil. I don't think it's for, Neil at all uh, for a character. I don't think it's, it's Neil something at all. Claw. Played by yeah, Ken Bones. I've never believed you. When okay, you should have just Neil kept Claw. his name Ken Bones. Yeah, well, Ken Bones is a much better name. Nathan but, um, Claw. It's not I, much. It's not much no, better. It's not much. Nathan. Better, is it? Nathan Claw. Um. And uh. Yeah. They. Um. Then go back to bed. And yeah, this time Jonathan joins Polly. Yeah. Um. Um. Joins Polly, and then we see, uh, Alison. Yeah. Wake up in the middle of the night, and uh, old Belkin's not there. Yeah. Um. And then uh, she. Uh, kind goes, of wanders out, kind of wanders out, and then wakes up. Yeah, and she's in the the, the room from the movie she's that with we the... saw. She's yeah. tied down to what seems like the floor, mm-hmm. and she's watching Stephen in a cage. Yeah, to in the left, ca- to the left of a cage behind a cage. Yeah, 
And he's uh, screaming. And he's screaming. And then on the right-hand side, there's a fiery... The fiery hole in the, hole wall. In the wall. And there's this, um, yeah, cloaked and masked... Viva Vendetta character. Viva Vendetta character. Slash uh, someone at the Eyes Wide Shut sex party. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> is, is kind of conducting... Uh, things and then yeah swooshes uh Stephen Belkin <laughs> does swoosh swooshes him towards the fiery pit of death and he dies um he dies and then she wakes up in the morning on the grass um and is sort of stumbling around but she has the wrist the marks on her wrist from the yeah from the handcuffs now it's important to remember that like the the shot that we had was exactly the same shot as we saw in the movie yeah so the fire was all made by CGI as well. It was, yeah. It yeah, was like it was. orange and red primary colour kind of block uh, bits of animation. Yeah. Um, and Stephen kind of was attracted quite like measuredly um, and quickly whooshed. Yeah. You know, to, it was obviously CGI. Yeah. So I'm going, right. So we know that the other thing was a film made in the 70s with yeah. that kind of level of... Yeah. But now what we're watching is the same is the, as it as was a, in the yeah. 70s. Yeah. Because I think the 70s trailer was really good. Yeah, it was fun. It was, like, very accurate. But yeah. I'm, but now I'm realising that's not because they're good. It's because that's the level that <laughs> the they're le- at. <laughs> like, that's the level that the BBC Jonathan Creek production team actually has. Um... So yeah, I'm at this point not sure what we're seeing because I've already thought in my head at this point, oh, the ghost that's flying out of the coffin are hologram projections, right? Because I'm trying yeah. to work out how they got projected. CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I now I'm seeing this and I'm like, yeah. right, there's something else going on with projections yeah. and like filmmaking. You know, there's a filmmaker, so there's something to do with yeah. like, has Claw really died? Is it where he yeah, set yeah, yeah, someone yeah, 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 up yeah, yeah. to make these illusions using his film magic skills yeah that's where i'm at yeah in case you haven't got to the end of the episode i won't tell you why but rest assured my theory is absolute rubbish yeah well um, i don't think we have to wait too longer do we because i think they they well we're getting we're getting to it now yeah um so what so obviously jonathan and polly wake up in the morning they go downstairs and they say oh you know people skipping breakfast today and the nurse is laying out all the plates again yeah. they keep calling her the nurse but she's not dressed like a nurse no she's a housekeeper yeah but she's kind of playing like claw's recent wife yeah like, yeah like yeah allison's yeah, 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 stepmom yeah, yeah. is yeah. kind of the role she's playing yeah to the point where you're like oh could it be her the nurse yeah um but yeah so she says oh uh no um um i don't know where steve i don't know where the belkins are but they're not here and obviously, Claw's dead, Nathan. Um, so it's just you two and me. Um, and they're like, oh, that's a bit odd. Yeah. And then she sees through the door a very kind of weary, uh, stumbling... I mean, I don't, I don't know where the CCTV guy is. I don't know why he's not there having breakfast. I uh, thought he lived there now. Well, yeah, he's been there the whole time <laughs> up to this point. But I don't think... Would you invite your caretaker? You might give him a bed for the night, but would mm. you... Your tradesman, would you give him uh, a breakfast as well? Yeah, I would. Bed and board. Yeah. Includes your breakfast. Well, yeah, um, yeah, but they're not. There's no explanation for that. And then, you sh- yeah, you see Alison Belkin staggering back from this kind of like the land outside uh, towards the house, and they, you know, she obviously explains to them what happened. Yeah. Um, and Jonathan Creek says, "Oh, are you are you sure that's is that all you saw, and you don't remember anything from before or after?" Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "No." 
Uh, maybe I'm just going mad. Uh, but we don't know where Stephen is. Where's Stephen? Is he not at the house? Oh, goodness me. Maybe he is really, you know, burned in a fiery hole in the wall. And I'm like, well, well, you don't think that, isn't it? Because that's not... Because we saw what you saw, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. the same CGI that we saw in the 70s trailer movie. Yeah. So you don't think that. You think there's been... You think you've had a weird nightmare based on the movies of your dad, surely. That's yeah. the logic yeah. of it, right? Um. So anyway, Jonathan and Polly decide to go for a walk and they stroll the grounds for, I think, maybe a couple of hours. Yeah. Trying to work out what's gone on. And Polly's yeah. completely on board now after yeah, spending yeah, the whole episode. Changed. Yeah, completely changed. Um, uh, they... She's trying to work it out and doing a Caroline Quentin, like, oh, yeah. is it this? Or, oh, I bet you're going to tell me. Or, have I got it? And he's like, yeah, very good. Of course, wrong, but it's very good. Yeah. There's all this kind of, like, quipping as if they're, like, a crime-solving duo. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not, though, are you? Because you hate him and everything he stands for. Yeah. Um, And I don't know why you're still married. But, yeah, they go and they find the grave. Go and they find the grave and then uh, uh, Jonathan says, oh, it's like an elaborate jack-in-the-box, really. It was just something that popped up. Because he found the springs. He finds the springs. So these uh, are springs that were made in the 18th century. Yeah, springs that were made in the 18th century as a sort of booby trap for the coffin. And the ghosts flew out and they were just made of cloth. Yeah, which is why exactly what we said. It's This is why we're saying what we saw was what they saw. We can't have seen the real thing because that wasn't what it was yeah it was in, in in no well it's not even like well maybe they filmed it in a way that they could look like that no no it was watch it because it's cgi but it's like bad it's like casper the the film version with bill yeah Pullman it's those things it's, it's, it's those ghosts um which means now we're not as my theory was with sandy johnson's kind of um avant-garde avant-garde groundbreaking work yeah, yeah. we're not the unreliable narrator which was an interesting idea. Actually, Sandy Johnson's the unreliable director. <laughs> and I don't think a truer word has ever been spoken about Jonathan Creek. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, also, Jack in the Box is an episode of Jonathan Creek. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mention it. <laughs> After naming all the other Jonathan Creek episodes. Um, so they get, they get over that. Um, and decide it was just all springs and someone must have removed them last minute. Uh, the, the, you know, the ghosts that would have got struck in the trees. They must yeah, have been removed been, by yeah. someone. Okay. And then uh, they go and find a crypt. Yeah. They go and they say, oh, it must be here somewhere. Um, and and they're, they're kind of, yeah, a bit combing around, all around uh, where the grave is and the little church um, that's on the site of where this mansion is. Um, and yeah, they find a hole down to this crypt. And it's Polly who finds it. Polly who it the night Polly... before jumped out of her skin because she looked at the dressing room yeah. on the back, dressing gown on the back yeah. of her own door funny. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and she finds it and Jonathan goes, oh, well done, do you want a biscuit? And I was like, don't be an arsehole. Like, she's, she's just helped you out massively. It's like, a really, really weird thing to say. Really weird. It's the first un- time she's showing interest in your work in yeah. your whole entire marriage. No, five they, years. They need to get a divorce. They do. They're not happy. It's, they're not happy. And they bring out the worst in each other. That's happy. the thing. They do. They do bring out the worst in each other. You wouldn't want them around for a dinner party. It would be God, so awkward. No. Can no. imagine? Oh. Well, I mean, I can imagine. The Junes Whitfield had to tolerate it. They did. They did. And, you know, you and I make venison faggots all the time, so... That's very true. Um, yeah, yeah. And you have to eat them, even though you're vegetarian. Yeah, that's how it works when you make venison yeah. faggots. 
Everybody eats them and no complaints. So they go into this crypt, but before they do, we see a pair of legs. Yes. And a, a kind of a sus- suspicious figure. Yeah. Not not in, like, that, that sounded a bit like sort of film noir. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, <laughs> in what? <laughs> this beautiful pair of legs. No, it was... <laughs> It was. It's the. It's the man. It's Tyree. It's, it's Tyree. Uh, he um, has just happens to have beautiful pins. Yeah, uh, and he. Um, falls, he falls, so they go down into the crypt and they discover the room where it happened. Uh, Hamilton reference there. And, contemporary. And uh, uh, it's basically a trick in the film. It's obviously it's a trick shot, uh, and it's obviously a trick for the person that's. Uh, chained up because yeah. it's not how the room looks. It's ninety degrees different, so you're actually chained to the wall. Yeah, uh, and you're looking at down at the floor, thinking it's it's a wall, and yeah. it's all to do with an automaton. Yes, uh, who is the person standing and waving things around? Who is obviously stuck to the wall, coming out of the wall. Which, um, is, yeah. but that's the thing that tri- screws up your perspective because you're thinking that someone stood up. Waving their arms around. Yeah, and he says, um, poor old Alison must have been chained here. Poor old thing. Ch- tied so tight, you'd have no sense of gravity. Mm. Would you? Mm. You would. Mm. You would, but fine. It's an illusion, and we're assuming that it worked. Um, and they they also realise that there must be a fire pit, because there are little gas... Um, uh, spouts. That, uh, for oil, sorry, not gas. Yeah. Oil. Yeah. Older. Um and and so they work out that that must be there. And then and then he goes in and starts to operate the puppet. Yeah. Um and in comes old Tyree. In comes who's Tyree. followed them in there, isn't he? Yeah. With his sexy legs. Yeah. And he comes in and he says it's absolutely unintelligible. That was great. I really like that. Um yeah, you can't you can't understand a word he's saying, but you can tell it's kind of general threatening stuff. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, and then yeah. and then I'm like, oh, well, he's not going to say anything else after that. And then they just keep cutting back to him, and he keeps having lines. There's about ten or twelve lines in there. But not like in one go, they keep yeah. going back. Yeah. I'm like, why? He obviously can't talk. <laughs> You're asking someone to do something they, they cannot do and they never will be able to do. Yeah. It's just unfair. Yeah. And I, I think Sandy Johnson obviously just wanted to work him very hard. Um, I mean, maybe he wasn't an actor, but they'd used a picture of him in the House of Monkeys episode. Yeah, quite possibly. Felt obliged to use him for the quite. sake of continuity. I mean... Discuss the irony. Who knows? I have um, no idea. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, a I'm afraid this man cannot uh, talk. No, but um, but but he uh, uh, he's got a knife. He's got a knife, and he's threatening. He's threatening Polly, um, and he's walking around, and he walks up, and he's walking on top of where the pit is. Yeah, and Jonathan manages to work out to get the lever, and he opens the pit up, and he falls down into the pit. Into the pit on top of all the other dead bodies, yeah. including dun 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 Stephen Belkin, who Stephen Belkin. we had. You know, which means what we saw from Alison's perspective did happen. Yeah. Even though we saw it with the special effects of a 1970s film. Any Parks and Rec fans listening at the moment will be thinking of uh, 
the song Fell in the Pit by Andy Dwyer's band, <laughs> Mouse Rat. <laughs> Long live Mouse Rat. Yeah. Um, so uh, then, yeah, he's got Jonathan's leg, grabs his ankle, yep. he's in the pit, and Jonathan's like, ah, and then Jonathan's like, quick, get the matches. And Polly gets the gets the matches that they saw in there. Uh, yeah. The which... same matches that we saw Warwick Davis use. Uh, so making a little walking. link there. And quick, quick. And so she struggles for a little bit and it's a bit of tension he's nearly getting the knife she can't get the match to light eventually does throws it in and up come the fiery flames up and come the fiery flames it's and... real fire yeah, yeah so after yeah. showing us fake fire twice yeah, yeah. you've now shown us real fire yeah. it's exactly the same logic as showing us a fake Alan Davis and then a real Alan Davis yeah and then a different fake Alan Davis yeah. again like yeah d- real ghosts pick, and CGI ghosts re- real ghosts and CGI yeah. pick one and then we'll go with it it yeah. doesn't matter how rubbish it is. Just we'll go with it because we want to, because we're the viewer watching it. Yeah. If you screw with us, then we just resent you because that shows that you think we're idiots. Yeah. It's so annoying. Um, But yes, they set fire to Patrick Tyree um, and he yeah. burns to death and has just a horrible be, end. Just to be clear, we cannot reiterate this enough. Jonathan Creek burns a man alive to death, murders a man. With the help of Polly. Okay, it's self-defence. But that is still a, that's a big leap from anything else that's ever happened. It's also hard to know it's self-defence because apart from us, who are not real, yep. there are no witnesses. No witnesses, no. So as no. far as they're concerned, no. they've lured this man into a crypt yep. and then set him on fire and burned him alive. Oh, he's going to jail. Amy, he, absolutely going to jail. He's going to jail. There's no way um, that either Polly or Jonathan come out of this. No. And even so, because it then cuts to the police are all involved and Tyree's being taken... Well, it's either Tyree or Belkin. Someone's under. Well, they're showing the us it's 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 Belkin because Alison's crying over that oh, particular okay. body. Right, okay, But how so does that... she know? Because yeah, it's just covered yeah. up. Um, uh, so, and then the Scottish cop... A return of the Scottish cop... Um, who told them they didn't have the budget for, for protection, kind of looks at them in a sort of slightly suspicious way. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, no, that's what they're playing. Jonathan's going down for murder. Yeah. Rightly so. How are they going to get out of this Um one? So, yeah, so that's that. And it sort of feels like it's over, except obviously nothing's been <laughs> revealed. But because it's of that incident being so dramatic, I felt like, oh, that... That's, That's the end kind of the episode. Of but I was like, oh no, wait, it can't be because we don't know anything at all about anything. No, but, yeah. all, but all the characters involved yeah. do. Yeah. So who are you going to reveal it to? <laughs> and this is what they, this is something that happens very interestingly. So yeah. we know a reveal's coming, but so we you, don't know who they're going to reveal it to. Yeah. Because everyone um, involved knows. The only yeah. people who don't are us. So this is something I think they genuinely do quite well as a swerve is Jonathan says uh, if you put everything together with those matches I think uh, we know who might have orchestrated all this and killed Stephen Belkin and it's not and and weird you know it's not me the person that people would think and And then it pans across to Warwick Davis getting out of the car and and showing his condolences uh, yeah not very well to Alison so I was like oh completely yeah it's a vicar um, Again, I've seen this before. I just no. couldn't remember. And so then there's a very nice, uh, credit where it's due, a very nice crossfade from uh, a close-up of the book of matches to 
the same logo on the front of the hotel where the matches yeah. are from and it sort of dissolves into the other one. I thought Tells that's us where we are. A really nice little crossfade there. So well done, Sandy, on that one. Um, and uh, yeah, they're in this sort of bar hotel, uh, bar of a hotel uh, where these matches are from, Jonathan and Polly. And they're in my head, it's in, a booth. Uh, in Great Portland Street now. Yeah, probably. Um, and uh, Warwick Davis comes in uh, and is ordering a drink at the bar and they're kind of looking at him and you're like, oh, they're going to go and tell him that they know that he did it. And mm -hmm. then they slowly walk over and he looks at them uh, and he looks a bit sheepish and then just says, oh, he'll be here in a minute. So we're like, okay, clearly it's not who we thought it was. But who is it? It is Ryman. Yeah. Ryman, the CCTV man who... Who is now a completely different character completely yeah. different in a very sharp suit um in this very spunky hotel with a glass of red wine and i'm and like he's got like a different voice yeah it's uh, the, the whole he's a, and he's uh, a different character he's posh now. yeah so very we, confident very like well i think there's i think it's, it's part of the act i think it's deliberate right because what what happened is jonathan and polly and the vicar explain that they've worked out that Ryman wasn't actually called to the house by Claw at all. No. He simply knew that Stephen and Alison Belkin were going yeah. to the house. And he, uh, because he was aware of this, he went and he put on some overalls yeah. and took some cameras and pretended yeah. to be the CCTV man yeah. so that he could be there legitimately. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's still in any world where you'd have someone doing work on a place and then have them live there for three days. No, no. But nevertheless, no. in the world of this episode, that's yeah. what's happened. But the reason that he uh, is doing all this is because he is the brother-in-law... Of Stephen Belkin's dead wife. Yeah. Uh, it's his wife's sister. And uh, he said, oh, you know, my wife always trusted her. Uh, uh, but um, uh, him rather always trusted him. But, you know, I knew there was something wrong about him. And so when the whole murder thing happened and he was acquitted, I knew he had to have done it. Which, by the way, sorry, we should say earlier on, we do learn that he did. So Jonathan actually got that one wrong. Yeah. Um, Stephen Belkin. And Stephen Belkin had orchestrated the whole thing to make it look like he could only be the murderer to get someone to get Jonathan Creek involved to then disprove it. It's very Very weird logic. Um, that Polly actually picks up on is like, well, he did all of that just to... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we know that Stephen Belkin did murder his first wife, uh, uh, who is, yes, the sister-in-law of uh, Ryman. Yeah. Um, so that's what... And Ryman's out for revenge. Yeah. Um, or your retribution or yeah uh, on justice. Stephen on Stephen and so he's uh, when when they found the gravestone yeah um, uh, and and dug up the dug up coffin the coffin and the ghosts came out uh, he found a uh, map yeah he, in and, the coffin and was it was taking he also took down he took down the ghosts the ghosts yeah I don't know why that I think that's I think that's kind of Oh, and also, because they didn't say that he'd done it, but it showed him doing it. Yeah. When they were talking about him, and then he leant down and found the map in the coffin that was yeah. empty. Yeah. So so I, so I think that was just to get 
to tidy up the fact that there would have been some Casper-like ghosts yeah. around um, that looked nothing like the CGI. That was no. Um, and then he uh, goes and um, uh, uh, follows this map and finds the room yeah. and realises then he comes up with a plan and he... And the instructions um, bops, on how to use it. He bops Stephen over the head, and he chloroforms uh, Alison, and he orchestrates the whole thing that we've told you about. He sees that. Um, uh, and then Jonathan, uh, uh, of course, explains what to him, and he says, I deny everything. Um, yeah. And then Mark Davis goes, nah, no, but I've got the matches were yours that you gave to me. And then he went, oh, okay, then. I guess the jig's up. And I'm like, well, still well, no, not. because mm. I don't think the matches, I don't think the matchbook adds any more weight. It doesn't. The, it's, it's not a hugely provable case apart from, like, you'd have to do more, obviously, in a court of law. But they're not in a court of law, and they're, and they're, it seems they're unsure about what they're going to do about it. Um, but the he they also work out that the reason why he knew... Yeah. So this is where it comes back to this... To I, Nina. To Nina. This so, is where I'm confused. So, he showed a picture yeah. of Nina and her husband. Who was the taxi driver. Who was the taxi driver. And there is some relation between those one of those two to Ryman. Okay, I missed that. Because, which is why I think it was a, a plant. But then also the taxi driver... When he was there, Ryman was already there. Yeah. When he saw it. Yeah. But then, so I missed, I'm not sure I now. The connection. About but there's that. there was some explanation about that because he said the unicorn. Oh no, that yeah yeah that was the unicorn. That, oh, I don't know. I don't know where. Maybe it wasn't a plant. In which case, it was still unnecessary. Yeah. But I can't. If you if you can remember, let us know. Um, but I'm not going to get back and watch it <laughs> from no. the beginning. But I, I don't seem to remember there being massively a connection between why Nina had to say that. Um, but yeah, so uh, then he says like, oh, well, I've got a plane to get. Um, he said, my flight leaves my at 11. My flight leaves at 11. I was hoping they... to get some supper in first. Yeah, but I guess I won't be doing that now. And then he sort of goes and they kind of just leave him. And Polly's like, well, I suppose we should call that. And then Rock Davis is like, mm, I think we should have a moment. And, and so he's stopping her from letting the police know that a, that a murderer is getting away. And then they seem to just be leave it. It's like presumably because they they're thinking, oh well, maybe he was right, an eye for an eye. And well, really? Yeah. And I mean, also, by the way, without you've, you've already murdered someone as well. By the way, what yeah. you're saying. And yeah. without that happening, yeah. How are you going to explain why you were in a crypt? <laughs> Setting fire really to people point. like that's you need really Ryman, point. otherwise you're definitely going for down for that's life. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Otherwise, it was just oh, we were just mucking around in here, and a man walked in, and we burned him to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. burned, yeah. burned. It's such a heinous crime as it's well. It's awful, and they're fine with it. They're fine with taking someone's life. Jonathan Creek is he's going to have to live with this for the rest of his life. Yeah. Now, obviously, this happening doesn't explain why Alison Belkin was so convinced that all this nonsense happened in her in this About house. Hobgoblins, this hobgoblins, and all that. So she comes and does a really good monologue. Just I want to shout out to yeah. um, Georgie Lord, 
who plays she's Alison fab. Balkan. She's fab in this. She's really fab. She manages to make every line work. And yeah. it's not like she just got lucky. She's making sense of them. And yeah. she paces out this whole kind of second reveal really well, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, but it just goes to show that, you know, if you're good enough, you can do it. Absolutely. Um, so well well done to her. But um, yeah, she kind of explains what happened. But she explains it. She hasn't known. She doesn't know. Hasn't known what's happened all her life. But because of this happening, yeah. she is now looking back at her childhood trauma differently yeah. and realizing that her imagination was at play. Yeah. Um, and the, the the caretaker nurse knows about it as well. So, so she's kind of together with yeah. that and the fact that Alison Belkin found the letter to her. Yeah. The rest, the missing pages of the yeah. letter. Uh, they piece together and she realises that actually it was all to do with a uh, really rare genetic um, d- disease. Yeah. A condition. Yeah. That so her the... mother had. <laughs> yeah. And her two sisters had. Yeah. That affected the hemoglobin. And that's what she kept mishearing as hobgoblin. Hemoglobin globin sounds like hobgoblin to a kid. Yeah. Um Although, in all fairness, I think the actor playing the mother did say hemoglobin <laughs> in order to make it sound more like goblin. Yeah. Hemoglobin, I think she said. Right. It was like something really yeah, weird. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a hemoglobin. It's hemoglobin. It's hemoglobin. Which is obviously what's in your blood. Um, so that, that was why everyone died. And, yeah. But then there was also this picture that she found of her mum like, silent screaming out the window, like yeah. a munch thing. Yeah. It's her jaw was hurting from the hemoglobins. Yeah. <laughs> she had a jaw ache yawning disease. Achy jaw that killed her. That made her yawn um, and, and yeah. ache. And yeah. um, that's what the picture of was, was of. Yeah. Uh, um, now... I just need to go back on something. We haven't... Yeah, we've also yeah. missed the... Yeah. Go on. Uh, so, there is a bit where um, uh, where Claw died. Yeah. Uh, uh, when, as you were talking about, that weird quick editing. Cut away. Uh, uh, cut, cut back and forth between him looking at a phone and a door. Now, during the reveal to Ryman, where Jonathan's explaining everything that happened... This is what Jonathan thinks uh, uh, Nathan Claw did. Was trying to communicate. Was trying to communicate. Because he went and sat in Nathan Claw's chair where he died. And he realised that through the crack in the door, you can see the first letter of one of his film posters, which is a Y. Because the film was the Yeti. Something of the Yeti. Yeti. Yeah. And he thinks that Nathan Claw was trying to let everyone know that the CCTV man, Ryman, was a phony by looking at his phone and looking at the letter Y. Which is the biggest load of crap I've ever heard Jonathan Creek say ever, ever in 20 years of Jonathan Absolute Creek. Absolute nonsense. What a ridiculous suggestion. Also, by At going... that point, if I was Ryman, I'd be like, oh, thank God. I thought you were actually serious. Oh, no, you're a madman. Oh, I'm yeah. fine. I don't yeah. need to worry. This isn't going to stand a lunatic. up in court. You're and the mur- last thing you did was a wrong. A murderous lunatic. Yeah. Also, why when he goes and sits in the chair... Why is the door the same amount of a jar as it was the previous day? Oh, my God. 
Because it has to be a specific oh amount of jar god. for it only to be a wine. It's visible. You're oh my god, you're so right. Yep. So that wouldn't have had didn't yeah, happen either. Nonsense. Because yeah. the odds of that happening are ridiculous. Yeah, that's nonsense. Um. So yeah, that and that is all the ends, nice and neatly tied up, and we all went. Oh, that was it. But we've got a little Danny Mom as always. Got a little Danny more. Um. Uh. Nina's. Um, Scarecrow got its head taken off and kids were playing football with the head. Which upset me because the head was originally from one of Jonathan's magic dummies from yeah. his windmill. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, they don't know the, 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 the weight of, uh, of the history of that. Um, and uh, so Jonathan uh, gives her that Alfred Hitchcock head. Yeah. Uh, and as he's... as he's oh, This is weird. As he's chopping it off, he says... It is a far, far uh, uh, better thing I do than I've ever done, um, uh, uh, which is a reference to Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities that has nothing to do with Alfred Hitchcock. It has everything to do with the play he was in at school. So I don't know why that's making him think of that other thing that was mentioned in his life at a similar time to when he was making that scarecrow. Like, it's not... It's done as if it's some kind of reference to Hitchcock, and it's it's not. It's a reference to a story about a play he was in at school that him and Polly were talking about days and days ago. Like, it would make more sense if the quote was the title of Phil Jupiter's last comedy tour. <laughs> yeah. That would make more sense because there have been more references to Phil Jupiter's and Hitchcock yeah. than there have the Tale of Two Cities. But uh, anyway, it, it is very weird um, that he's sawing the head off Hitchcock. But then they do that... And it wins second prize. Wins second prize. Uh, and first prize is a man weeing on some flowers. And doesn't the vicar give the rosette and put it on the... Yeah, I don't know why he's the judge. He doesn't live mentioned. in this village. <laughs> he doesn't live in any of the places he's we've seen him the road be. in Amblesham. He's in Amblesham. So why is he now know. judging this scarecrow competition? And yeah. why didn't he say he was judging it earlier on? Yeah, I think I that's a conflict know. of interest, personally. Sorry, sorry, sorry. If he is judging, if he is judging the Scarecrow competition, yeah. then why is he making a Scarecrow of Jonathan Creek? He Surely he can't be in the competition that he's judging. Also, he can't. Why would he? He doesn't live in the village of the, where the competition's taking place. No. So if he's making a Scarecrow of Jonathan Creek, that's not for the same competition <laughs> that Jonathan and Polly and Nina are entering. Just to be clear, because those are different parishes. Yeah. Unless it's different... Vi- oh, it oh, makes absolute no, nonsense. It's nonsense. Um, so that happens. And then, why does it get first second prize? Because the first prize yeah. goes to a scarecrow... That's weeing on a flower pot. That's weeing on a flower pot that everyone in the village finds hilarious. Absolutely hilarious, yeah. And then they look to Nina and Nina says, yeah, it's the right decision because it is hilarious. Like, yeah. What are you going to do? When you've got a writer <laughs> who thinks that a scarecrow weeing into a flower bed is the funniest thing since sliced bread, you want to heighten to nothing. Yeah. Um, um, and and then, there's one and, more bit we should mention. And then, sorry, just before we do go to that final bit, then Warwick Davis also you get gets a second Phil Jupiter's gag in because he says, oh, I, oh, I'll, yeah. Phil, oh, don't worry. You know, I do think it is an improvement on your previous one. No one around here really knows who Phil Jupiter is. So I'm like, right, right. So now we're having like digs at him as well. Like, it's so weird. You're just like, highlighting you the fact doing? that you're all mates with him or something. It's very odd. It's yeah. very odd. Um, but yeah, we then get this 
uh, final denouement where they're talking. Uh, they're, uh, Jonathan's having a little look through, one last look through the skip, and Polly's yeah. like, "You can." There's actually a, a tiny bit of affection here and a tiny bit of love that's shown. Uh, kind of uh, ish between them. Um, and then Alan Davies, uh, after twenty years, decides to actually just do a really, really good bit of acting. About his brother Terry not being alive lovely. anymore, presumably. It's a lovely, lovely, nuanced, subtle uh, performance in just a few lines, and I went, right. Where's right. that been? Where's this been, mate? Come on. Because it was lovely. It was really moving. I just wrote, JC can act. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Like, it, yeah, as you see, exactly, you just said it all. It was lovely about was his brother moment, yeah. Terry dying, um, presumably. And then... And not being able to find his letters. And he said, oh, I probably just threw them away years ago because, you know, he, uh, he wouldn't have want me to keep them anyway or, you know, yeah. all that soft stuff. And so they walk off. Yeah. And there's a and there's a lovely moment of this globe that he was mentioning earlier on. He was saying, oh, I'm really old because this globe, it's all countries that don't exist anymore, like South Vietnam and things like that. Um, and, and the globe that he was mentioning earlier, you see in the skip, and it uh, rolls over and cracks open and all the letters from his brother are in the globe. Yeah, and it's a really lovely moment that David Rennick decides to undercut by then having a really quick sound effect of like loads of just earth being placed into the skip, and then it's a uh, cut to the music. And I was like, "Oh, isn't this lovely?" No, nah, it doesn't matter. It's all dirt, but it's all the past, and yeah, it's all dirt it, on it it's now. It's all very jarring, and I'm not quite sure. And I don't know what we saying about that his brother. So it was a nice moment. Yeah, but and like you say, there was a bit of tenderness there, but actually. Jonathan's past life and memories are being destroyed. Yeah. He isn't getting any closure over this apparent problematic relationship <laughs> yeah. he had with his brother, yeah. which is love-hate thing. Yeah. His parents are presumably dead or still living in Australia, but aren't being consulted about any of his stuff he's chucking away. Yeah. And we're going... So, so it's kind of like we're supporting Polly's point about just just burn everything or cover in earth, every, anything to do with the past. Um and also, maybe you should still be worried about the fact that you burned a man alive. Yeah. yeah. Burned him. Burned him to death. Burned him to death. You're going to prison for a very long time, Jonathan. Maybe. Sorry. In the sequel. Yeah. He does go to jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, all the, they think he's going to die in jail. Mm-hmm. And they go to meet him. Mm-hmm. All the old assistants, yeah. and when they get there, he's escaped. Yeah, and they spend the rest of the episode trying to find out where he's escaped yeah. to. Yeah, that would be that would make more sense of the fact that he does have to be in jail now because of what he and Polly did. Yeah, and Polly remains in jail and holds Jonathan Creek responsible, and then she can be an actual baddie that she's wanted to be for ages. Great, 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 done, done it. Yeah, right. So we'll write that, and we'll let you know how that goes. You set uh, up a crowdfunder. Yeah. You get to twenty thousand pounds. We'll do it. Yeah, that's that's not going to go that far. We can make it's going to go. It's going to go further than <laughs> whatever the BBC spent on this. <laughs> if you gave Sandy Johnson and David Rennick a hundred thousand pounds, yeah, they they'd come out with a a, a, a ten minute short on a super eight. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure we could do better work than that. Yeah. Um, hey, Blair Witch. That was shot for less than 20, wasn't it? Very true. Very true. Well, oh, I there we go. I, yeah. It's That's amazing. It. That's it. We've done it. This we is... have watched every episode of Jonathan Creek. It's a body of work we've created. It is. It's right the way back in, I think, about December time, November, December. Yeah. Uh, back when, you know, you could 
touch each other and yeah yeah that was a weird time wasn't it things weren't closed people keep yeah. touching each other on tv or in uh you know films yeah and i go oh that's not been sanitized when we started this podcast i'd never in my life heard the phrase social distancing ever now it's a part of life right across the globe there you go um so yeah thank you all so much for coming on this journey with us um we're not quite done yet we are going to do um we're going to take a week's break so you won't have any of us next sunday but we're going to come back the sunday after uh with our um kind of epilogue retrospective episode yeah, and um, let's look back at through the three previous episodes we're gonna have um, a look back at previous episodes. we're gonna talk about maybe what our favorite episode is now that we've you know revisited all of them maybe what our least favorite episode is favorite characters best and worst acting all that kind of stuff um and we also really want to hear from you um i mean i know we always say get in touch every week but uh, uh in particular this week yeah um, this is really an important one yeah please do get in touch uh email twitter facebook all those things i'll do them at the end as always and please do uh, let us know your favorite moments of the podcast uh favorite moments of jonathan creek um things you got annoyed about us for for getting wrong yeah you know we're we made we some are... mistakes over the um I was say, over the years it feels like it it's it does six months. it does um but yeah uh uh do let us know any of your kind of yeah uh best bits from podcast macabre and we will um uh read them all out uh on the episode as well so do look out for that one in two weeks time um and also, you uh, can still continue getting our voices twice a week because uh, after the uh, uh, epilogue episode, uh, as we're going to be ramping up to two Any Requests, our Patreon podcast a week. Uh, Try and get rid of the uh, backlog. It's been much yeah. more popular than we thought. Absolutely. Um, um, once a week has not been enough. So yeah, so you'll still be getting two podcasts a week from us on all manner and range of things, film reviews, TV reviews. I know we've had a few people get in touch with us and say that they've actually started watching Crime Traveller now so they can listen to our yeah, Crime Traveller podcast, which is great. Um, so, yeah, uh, 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 do look out for that. Um, and uh, just before we sign off, I just want to give uh, a bit of a shout-out to uh, a fab little uh, uh, South London-based band called Innocent Gun. Oh, yes! A brilliant little band. Yeah. Uh, we were um, lucky to... Um, um, see them perform uh at a, at a live streaming event on sunday yes we were we were comparing a uh a, a, a socially distanced uh fundraiser event for our our local library where we live uh and uh uh this fab band innocent gun were were playing there and they are very big creek heads so uh, uh a shout out to them and go and check out innocent gun uh because they are really really fab yeah really great absolutely lovely harmonies very nice in the meantime, uh, you for, can yeah g- give us those ideas. Absolutely, um, and, give us those and, ideas uh, for for our retrospective. We want to make it uh, as much of a collection of of uh, all your thoughts and memories as much as ours. Yeah, and you can do that, of course, uh, in all the usual ways. So on Twitter, we are at Macabre Podcaster. You can get in touch with us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash Podcaster Macabre. You can drop us an email, podcastermacabre at gmail.com. And of course, you can like, share, subscribe, and listen to this podcast and any requests uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, the Patreon link is in the bottom of the description of this episode. If you want to become one of our patrons, give us a podcast uh, idea on anything at all for £5 a month. 
we will do one a month for you on anything you want. So do get in touch with us uh, with any ideas of that, uh, because now that Creek's over, we'll be looking for plenty of other stuff to get our teeth into. Mm. So in the meantime, I have been David Shopland. And I have been Callum Hughes. And this has been Podcaster Macabre. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you.